Well, we're going to continue in our series, and it's a four-part series, and the title of our sermon is called Gearing Up. Gearing Up for what? His mission. In order to carry out His mission until we see Him face to face. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you that we're not alone here today. You are with us, and I would ask right now that you'd forgive me and cleanse me of any sin, and that you'd fill me with your spirit. That you speak through your people, through me, to your people. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. And we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. <clears throat> For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, in the past two weeks, Pastor Jared has waxed eloquent on helping us understand the mission of Christ Church of Grove Farm. He made the statement, or he, he stated, that... Our mission is to call our world to Christ. Every Sunday in your bulletin, every Sunday in your work, in your service sheet, there you'll see calling our world to Christ. Now, how did Christ Church of Grove Farm come up with that statement? Did they hire out a marketing group? No, I was here. The leaders of the church and the pastors got on their knees and they prayed and they looked into the word of God. And God's word says this in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. God loved the world and it was lost. Jesus was sent to reach that world that was lost. This is what Jesus said about his mission in in Luke chapter 19.10. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ completed that mission. He died on the cross, and then he was raised again from the dead. And when he died on that cross, he died for the sins of the world. And he was raised again from the dead. When he walked out of that grave, he overcame sin and death. And he alone, he alone has the power and the authority to forgive the world of its sin and to give the world eternal life for those who believe. So when Christ Church came up with the whole concept of calling our world, a world that is lost, to the one and only Jesus Christ. That's their only hope. So that mission statement makes sense, doesn't it? We're calling our world to Christ, for it's the only hope that we have. Because he's the only one who can forgive us of our sins and give to us eternal life. But you know, how do you do that? How's that how do you get that done, if you will? Well, Jesus didn't stop there. When he walked out of the grave, he came up to his disciples in John 20, 21, and he said this. As the Father has sent me, now I send you. Better way of saying that is this. The Father's given me a mission, and now I'm giving you the mission. And then he tells them the mission. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he clearly communicates to his disciples that he wants them to carry out his mission. He tells them the mission. I want you to read with me, if you would. Let's read together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you until the very end of the age. When you look at that statement, that mission statement, there's a commandment. There's only one commandment found there. Do you know what it is? It's in the very beginning of the verse. Make disciples. Say that with me. Make disciples. The disciples who were listening to this understood that they were a disciple, disciple of Christ. 
And what he's saying to them, now, as I have done for you, now you go do that for others. You make disciples who make disciples. That's your mission. And I'm asking you to, to go and carry out. You know, people come to me and they'll say, Pastor Ed, you know, as a Christian, what is my mission? What's my purpose? And many times I'll ask them, well, what do you think? And many times they begin to talk about their careers, their livelihood, how their vocations. Talk about being a lawyer, a teacher, a nurse, a plumber. And I say to them, you know, that's how you make a living. But your mission, and it's not just for clergy, it's for anyone who follows after the Lord Jesus Christ. Your mission in life is to make disciples. So you are a missionary who happens to be a lawyer. You're a missionary who happens to be a teacher, a plumber. A nurse, because your mission as a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is to make disciples. Who make disciples? Now, how, does that, how do you get that done? Jesus tells us. He gives us three action words. He says, therefore, go. In other words, as you are going or as you have gone, make disciples. In other words, communicate, demonstrate the gospel. And when people respond, the second thing you're to do is baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son. Go baptize. And then as they become followers of Jesus Christ, you are to teach them everything that I have shown you, everything that I've commanded you. So we're to go, we're to baptize, we're to teach. And make disciples is the commandment that all of us are to be about doing. Now, Peter and the rest of the boys would have understood that, that they were to carry that out. But then he goes on and he says this last statement. The last statement is there, surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. What in the world does that mean? The end of the age. Well, remember, the Lord Jesus Christ came. He was born. And then he died on the cross. He was raised again for the dead. When he came the first time, he came as the lamb to be slain. He came to die for our sins so that we could be reconciled with God the Father. But the second time, he's referring to his return, his coming again. The second time when he shows up, he doesn't come as the lamb. He comes as the lion of Judah. He comes as the king of kings, a conquering king to set up and rule and reign. So he's referring to the second coming of Christ. And when Peter and the boys are listening to this, they're saying, okay, we're to carry out that mission, which is to make disciples. Until when? Until we see him face to face, either death or the coming of Christ, I'm going to get this done. So that's why in verse 7, Peter starts out with this. He says, the end of all things is near. In other words, he's urging us to prepare for the end of our lives. Either when we see Jesus face to face or when we die and see him face to face. Either the coming or the death. In other words, he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to non-Christians here. Those of us who are born again of the Spirit know that when we die, absent from the body, present with the Lord, we are face to face, either through death or through the, through the coming of Christ, but we are all to do one thing, and that's to carry out his mission, and that is to make what? Disciples who make disciples. With all of that understood, now let's get into our passage. And Peter is saying, now the end of things is near, so... Gear up. Prepare yourself to carry out that mission until you see him face to face. And he tells us four things that we need to be about doing. Now, if you have your service sheet, I want you to pull it out. I want you to grab a pen or, or a pencil. And I'm going to ask you to circle four things that we are all to be and to do. Please, pull out your service sheet, grab a pen, and circle these four things with me. There in verse 7, it says... 
The end of all things is near. Be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. I want you to circle pray. So in order for us to carry out the mission until we see Jesus face to face, we need to be people who are praying. George Barna, who is a Christian researcher, tells us that the average American Christian prays 45 seconds a day. The average American Christian then isn't on the mission, is not carrying out the mission, and they're definitely not being prepared to meet Jesus face to face. At best, they're praying over their food. But that's not what Peter's calling us to do. Oh, it's good to pray for your food, but he's calling us out. To be, the Bible says pray about all things. Be praying all the time. Be intimate with Jesus Christ. Depend upon him. One way we do that is through prayer. So we need to be praying. Second, you find in verse 8, we need to be loving. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I want you to circle love. And how are we to love? Deeply. That word deeply, Peter is using an athletic term. He's referring to an athlete who's straining to run a race and win. I mean, he's straining. In other words, he is He or she is giving her maximum effort. They're holding nothing back. They're they're giving all they've got in order to win that race. And Peter is saying, love deeply like that. Love without restrictions. Love without reservation. Love without hesitation. Love unconditionally as Jesus Christ loved. No strings attached. Love deeply as Jesus has loved you. And love one another with that kind of love. We're to be loving as Jesus was. Verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 9 tells us the third thing we're to be. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Circle hospitality. That word does not refer to entertaining people. It's not about entertaining those who come to your home. It's talking about caring for each other's needs. Caring for each other's needs. Remember, in those days, the church was being persecuted. And they were fleeing from their homes. And they were looking for refuge. They were looking for brothers and sisters to open up their homes. And they did. And it became costly. And Peter is saying, don't grumble about that. As freely as you've been given, freely give. God will provide. Care for one another. Care for one another. Number four. We are to serve. Verse 10 says, each one should use whatever gift he has. Received to serve others. I want you to circle serve. Faithfully administrating God's grace in various forms. So in order for us to be prepared, in order for us to gear up to to fulfill and carry out the mission of Christ, until we see him face to face, we are to be people who are praying, loving, caring, and serving. And because we're talking about encountering missions this morning, I only have time to focus on serving. So let's get started. Verse 10 says this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received. Do you know when you were born again of the Spirit of God, when you received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, in that moment, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you? When he came to live inside you, he brought along with him a gift or gifts to be given to each and every one of you? Each one of you has a gift or gifts in the Spirit. And that's what they're called, the gifts of of the Spirit. I'm not talking about the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are found in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about love, joy, peace, patience. 
self-control. See, the gifts are different than the fruits. The fruit of the Spirit has to do with spiritual character. Spiritual character. What one is in the Lord. When the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you, lives within you, gave you a gift, that's one thing. But also, it's there. To, the Holy Spirit's there as you're obedient to Him. It's there... He is there to help you become mature in the likeness of Christ. You take on his characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. But the fruit of the spirit is different than the gifts. The gifts are this. The gifts of the spirit have to do with spiritual capabilities. Can you say that with me? Capabilities. Character comes from the fruit. Gifts is helping you have the capability of what? Which one? What can... In other words, helping you to do what Christ is asking you to do in service. The gifts are there to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so you can do ministry. So that you can fulfill the mission. And so that you can minister to the church and those who are outside of the church. Now those, those gifts are lift, listed for us in Romans chapter 12 verses 6 and 8. And also over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 11. I don't have time to read them. I'm asking you to go look those up. You'll see the list of gifts there. You'll see things like faith, healing, love, mercy, and so on. But you might be sitting out there and saying, Pastor Ed, I don't know what my gift is. Well, I'm encouraging you today to go and find out. How do you do that? You can come to any one of us pastors. We can help you discover your gift. We also have a ministry class that helps you discover your gift. And why is it so important for you to discover your gift? Because God's given you that gift and you're going to be accountable for how well you use that gift. So you need, know, you need to know what it is. And once you discover that gift, what are you supposed to do with it? It tells us. It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. It's there to serve others. In the church, outside the church. And then it tells us how. Faithfully administrating God's grace in various forms. Those two words, God's grace. In other words, Peter is saying this. You have been saved to serve. Say that with me. You have been saved to serve. The moment you were born again of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came and lives in you. When the Spirit of God came, He came to give you a gift. You're given this gift In order to serve others. As you have received God's grace, you are to extend God's grace to those around you and around the world. So you are saved to serve. You know, many times I've found that people don't serve because they don't understand grace. So let me give you the simplest definition I can find, or I've been able to find. And it's up on the board for us. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Think about that. God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, intellectually, you might be able to wrap your mind around that. But let me help you to wrap your heart around what that means. I'm going to give you a different illustration. I'm going to give you three scenarios. The first scenario is this. That I'm flying down the highway. I'm going 65 and a 50. Officer pulls me over, walks up to my window and says, can I see your license? I show him my license. He goes back to his car, comes back with a ticket in his hand. He hands me that ticket and says to me, you were going 65 and a 50. I advise you to slow down. Here's your ticket. Sends me on my way. What's that called? That's called justice, right? I got what I deserved. I was speeding. I got a ticket. I was fined. 
Second scenario, I'm flying down the highway 65 in a 50. Officer pulls me over, walks up, asks me for my license. And instead of giving me a ticket, he gives me a warning. He says, I want you to slow it down and be safe. What's that called? That's called mercy. That's right. Mercy. I didn't get what I deserved. I did not get what I deserved. Last scenario, I'm flying down the highway, speeding. Officer pulls me over. Can I see your license? Yes. You're going 65 in a 60, in a 50. Yes. Writes me up a ticket. Gives me the ticket. Then reaches in his And the car pulls the ticket out of my hand. And where it says guilty is charged, he doesn't write my name, he writes his name. He sends me on my way. He turns that ticket in, he's standing before the judge, and the judge declares him guilty, and he takes his money and he pays the fine. He stands there in my place and pays my fine. That is called grace. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Listen, Jesus Christ came and died for our sin. And then he wrote, if you will, his name in guilty as charged in our place. And then it says that he paid our penalty in full. Not with money, but with his life. And then he dies a death that we deserved. And God's judgment fell on him rather than us. And we escaped that. It cost Jesus everything, but it's given to us freely. And we received that. And the moment we recognized that we, were, that we sinned and we needed a Savior and we asked Jesus Christ to be our Savior, in that moment we were born again of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God came and He lives within you. And when He came, He came with a gift. A gift that you are to use to extend grace to others around you. As you've received this grace freely, we are to actually give it out freely to those who are around us. Amen? Amen. But what I have found... Is that a lot of times as we grow in the Lord and we walk in the Lord. In the early days we used to say I can't wait. I get to serve. I can't wait to impact people's lives. I want to give it back. I want to get in the game. And we say these things and then later on in life we begin to say no I don't get to. You mean I got to? What do you mean I got to? What are you talking about? I'm too tired. I'm too old. I I can't do that. I can't. Wait a minute. I want you to read something or I'm going to read it with you I should say. From Tony Evans. Because what I've learned is when you lose sight of grace, you lose sight of service. When you lose sight of what Jesus has done for you and how grateful and thankful you are, you lose sight of that, you lose sight of service. Listen to this funny story by Tony Evans. Tells a story about a little boy that wanted his mother to pay him for all the services he was rendering in the home. Now imagine this, little boy... So one morning he walked into the kitchen and laid a note on the kitchen table. In the note it said, for washing the dishes, you owe me a dollar. For cleaning my room, you owe me a dollar. For hanging up my clothes, you owe me a dollar. For mowing the grass, you owe me a dollar. And he printed out this bill, five dollars. And then at the end it said, mama, you owe me, pay up. Well, the mother came up with five bucks. She laid it on the kitchen table with a little note of her own. The note simply said, For carrying you nine months and being sick as a dog, no charge. For staying up all night with you night after night, no charge. For working overtime so that you could get those special shoes, no charge. 
For entertaining your friends when you wanted to bring them over without notice. No charge. Signed, your mother who loves you. Total zero. You see, that young man lost sight of the goodness of his mother. He had turned a love relationship into a business deal. And what was, what was he saying? He was saying what a lot of God's children say. You know what? Pay up. You know, do you have kids like that in your house? Do you get kids, you know, somehow they've forgotten that you put the roof over their house. You pay for that mortgage. Do you have kids in your, in your home that have forgotten, you know, that, uh, that you put the shoes on their feet. That you, that you bought those clothes that they're wearing. You know, you forgot that you pay the doctor's bills, the insurance bill. Do you have kids like that? And when it's time for them to voluntarily serve around the house, they're saying, me? No, not me. But the moment they run a little low on cash, they have no problem coming up and asking you for cash. They have no problem asking you for the car keys. Anybody got kids like that? Oh, I see hands going up here. Yeah, I got kids like that. I got a question for all of us this morning. For, For young and old alike, here's the question. I wonder whether God has some kids like that. Does God have some kids like that? I know he does because, you know, Barna, George Barna, the Christian researcher, says to us and been saying to us for years that the average church, in any church, really, any denomination, doesn't matter where you go, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But everybody comes to a worship service. But many people never serve. You know what we call that on the north side? We call that pimping the neighborhood. You come in, you take, you hear a sermon, you walk back out. We're takers, not givers. And somewhere along the line, we've forgotten what it's all about. That we've been extended grace and we've been given a gift and we're to take that gift and we're to extend it to those who are around us. Now you might be sitting out there saying, man, Pastor Ed, boy, that's me. I, I'm not doing anything. I come, I leave. But that's the first time in my life I, I, you helped me understand what grace means. And you've helped me to understand that I've been given a gift and I'm going to have to stand before God. I want to get in the game. I, want, I don't want to sit in the sidelines anymore. You, do, you help me. I don't care how old I am. I want to do something where I serve. I'm using my gifts to move along the mission. If that's you, I've got some great things to give to you in a minute, but I've got to share just a few more things and we'll close. To help you understand how, you're, how you are to serve. Look what it says in verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. In other words, folks, we're always teaching people all around us, but we need to be careful we're not giving them our opinions. We're giving them the word of God, the truth. And you could do that in your secular situation and your sacred. You don't have to go, you know, scripture and verse. You just need to speak the truth. But you can't do that unless you are in the word. See, the word of God empowers you to serve. There's a second thing that empowers us to serve. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Verse 11. In other words, we're not to serve in our strength. We're to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in Zechariah 4, 6. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we're to be people of truth and spirit. Being the word of God, being powered by the word, being powered by the spirit. When you do that, guess what happens? When you're doing all that I said today, people say to me, how do you bring glory and honor to God? 
Listen to this, verse 11. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You know that word praise can also be translated glorified. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So, if you are born again, you're here listening to me. How can I get involved, you might be asking. How can I get involved? Very quickly, up on the board. Here's some ways. Pastor John has already eloquently has told us, next week you can sponsor a child. You can come to the missions class I'm leading on February 20th. It doesn't matter where you are in that lineup. You know, going to ministry class, missions class, membership class. They're telling me you can come to my class on February 20th to be trained, equipped for the mission. You can participate in two different trips to the Dominican Republic, either June or September. Go sign up today. You can also get involved with other missions like Young Lives, Choice Pregnancy Services, Urban Impact, or the church. You can get involved with children and youth and adults. But all of us are called. All of us have a mission. And that mission is this. Call our world to Christ. Make disciples until we see Jesus face to face. And as we're preparing, as we're gearing up, we need to be people who are praying, loving, caring, and serving. God loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we get to serve, to pray, to love, to care. We ask in the name of Jesus that you lead us and guide us for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.